Good morning and welcome to Marysville 3CU Church this day after Thanksgiving. So on the day after Thanksgiving, as uh, our music leader asked us, she was at, talking to me and she was asking me, is, do you go from thanks, if it's, is it Thanksgiving still on the songs and stuff? Are we moving on to Christmas? And so we've kind of, we're going to kind of blend things a little bit. We did the Thanksgiving song, and we're going to not move all the way into Christmas, but we're going to talk about some prophecy kinds of things. And we're anticipating that maybe in our Sunday school hour that we'll start doing the case for Christmas. If you're familiar with the case for Christ, if I have enough interest on those that are in Sunday school, which is at 10 o'clock, by the way, um, that we'll do the case for Christmas starting next week as well. But as we look at Christmas time, we think about Jesus, right? Of course, Jesus was born. It's Christ Mass. But we look at some prophecy, and so, so fulfilling a prophecy. And we think about those kinds of things. And so let's turn to the book of Luke, chapter 4. I'm going to re be reading verses 14 through 30. And we have some other scriptures that we're going to look at. But I want to... You think about something as we prepare to read that. If someone is truly, truly the messenger of God, what message should they be carrying? If someone is a messenger, what message should they be carrying? In some towns in times past, they would, they would have messengers that would send packages. Now we do a lot of scanning and things, but... They would call them bicycle messengers, right? They would uh, grab packages and they would deliver things that were important and they ride on their bikes and they become messengers. But messengers carry a message that may not be their own. Now how good is a messenger if they carry a message and then they change the message to what they wanted to say? They stop being a messenger. They've kind of taken the position of the person sending it and they've obstructed it. They present themselves as, a, as the messenger, but they've stole the message. Today we're going to, I want you to think about that and think about who the messenger is and who you listen to and how you approach things. So let's, again, Luke chapter 4 verses 14 through 30. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Jesus had just been tempted in the wilderness. And in verse 15, And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue, on the Sabbath day, and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. And he gave it back to the attendants and sat down. 
And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Let's pause right there and we'll come back into the reading. He was handed the scroll, basically, of Isaiah. And he read the scripture to him. And why did he say, today this is fulfilled in your sight? Because it was a prophecy from Isaiah of the Messiah, the Anointed One. As we think about Christmas, Christmas, I just want to remind you, I remind you often of this, that Christ is Greek, is the Greek word used to describe the Messiah. So when it says Jesus, the Christ, it's saying Jesus, the Messiah. So we have the Messiah, which is a Hebrew term for the anointed one. And so the prophecy from Isaiah, Jesus is saying, as I read this to you, it's being fulfilled. The messenger, excuse me, the attendant handed him the scroll. And then Jesus read the prophecy. Isn't that very interesting that the attendant handed him the scroll? It might have been the, the scroll of the day, like you go through material, or in some churches you go through certain liturgies of certain times of the year, you read certain scriptures, and here Jesus shows up, and the scroll of that day is the scroll from Isaiah. And Jesus fulfills that prophecy in front of them. And what do they say? Is this not Joseph's son? So they are amazed. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which preached out of, the, out of his mouth. But then they stood back and said, well, wait a minute. Isn't this Joseph's son? So they began to discount what was being said instead of listening to what was being said. In verse 23, we continue. He said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Think about him on the cross. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up. Three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent, except to Zarephath, in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. What is Jesus reminding them of? The fact that in Israel, during the time of Elijah, there was a famine. But who had the benefit of the messenger of God, of the prophet? It was 
the widow in Sidon, not in Israel, in a different part of the country. There were many widows in Israel, in, but in Sidon, she got the benefit. She fed the prophet. And he made sure that she had food. And even through him, God raised up the widow's son. And Naaman, the Syrian, wasn't from Israel. There were many, what does it say there? And many lepers were in Israel. But who got cleansed? It was the Syrian. It wasn't from Israel. He came to Elisha, and he was cleansed. The Israelites had the opportunity. The Israelites had messengers from God, but they didn't like, I don't know if they didn't like the form, they didn't like what was being said, and so they found a way to discount the message by discounting the messenger. In contrast, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, sometimes we build up the message of having more value because of who the messenger is or how popular the messenger is. But the message that they're presenting is their own message, and it's hollow. In, in politics speak, when someone asks you a question and their response, they would say the phrase would be a good non-answer. It means they answered, but they didn't answer the question. It was a good non-answer. They answered, they brought an answer. You've seen it in debates and things with politicians. You could probably say the thing, same thing with an unscrupulous um, used car dealer. You ask them about something and they'll get you to think about something else. They won't answer the question, they'll give you a good non-answer. Politicians, press sometimes will give you a good non-answer. Great oratory, but what does it actually say? But then in this case, we have people that have the opportunity to hear the gospel, to listen to the gospel. They go into the synagogue all the time and they're questioning the message almost because they want to question the messenger. I guess my question is, do we sometimes find a reason not to hear the truth? And we find a reason to listen to the non-truth. We want to hear what is popular, so we'll listen to what popular people say. But that doesn't mean that it's the truth. Verse 28, so all these in the synagogues, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill in which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Did you realize that when they took Jesus to the cross to be crucified, it was not the first time that they wanted to kill him? Did you know that? They wanted to kill him here because he called them out. 
because he told them something they didn't like. And so they were ready to toss out the messenger because they didn't like the message, but the message was from God, and in this case, the messenger was God. And so they wanted to toss them out, and they wanted to kill them, but Jesus, lest you think Jesus did not have the choice to lay down his life, lest you think that they took Jesus and he couldn't have stopped them, it said here they took him up to the cliff, led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down on the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Jesus had determined that he did want, it was not time for him to die at the hands of the Israelites. He determined, so he walked in the midst of them. They lost track of him. When Jesus died on the cross, it was by him allowing them to do it. He told Pontius Pilate as much. When you hear the word of God being preached or when you listen to a message, do you find a way to discard it? Whether you try to discard the church or try to discard the messenger. Or maybe you try to discard the music or the building or whatever it might be. And find a way not to hear the truth that you should be hearing. What is the truth that God is trying to tell you? We have to be careful in today's communication style that is sound bites. That sound bites can sound good. And sound bites can make sense. And what do I mean by a soundbite? A soundbite are those five-word phrases, the kinds of things that you would say together, or three-word phrases, or things that you repeat over and over and over again. Just because a song has five nice words, if you repeat them 20 times, doesn't increase their value. It just means that you've said them 20 times. We have to be careful that we don't get into chants and things where we're just building it up and there's no depth to it. My caution today is about not listening to the truth, but allowing ourselves to listen to falsehood. In Proverbs 25, 14, Proverbs 25, 14, I want you to start picking up on some imagery and some ways that you can think of this. This has to do with giving, but whoever falsely boasts of giving is like clouds and winds without rain. Clouds and winds without rain. It reminds me of uh, my wife's grandmother when young children will cry and uh, you look at them sometime, you're trying to figure out what's going on and they're upset because they've been told to do something that they don't like and it'll be a, there's a lot of thunder but there's no rain. Have you ever seen a child 
wail and wail and then you give them what they ask for and they stop immediately. But if you look through all that, there's no tears going on. It's all thunder and no rain. And so that's what we're talking about here is whoever falsely boasts of giving is like clouds and wind without rain. Everybody have anybody boast about what, hey, well, look what I've done. And they tell a good story, but when you actually go chase it down, they haven't actually done anything. They've said a lot, but they've done little. But let us turn now to 2 Peter 2. 2 Peter 2. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to show us this contrast. In 2 Peter 2, verse 12, there's some imagery that we need to look at. So I'm going to ask you to look a little bit deeper, to look a little past the surface. We want to look at things more than at a sound bite. We want to look at some depth. To give you an illustration of what I'm talking about, today you pull out your phone and you use your uh, cell phone, you push the buttons and you touch it, and that's sufficient to get what you need. But there are so many left, uh, depths of technology that are involved in making that happen that it would take a long time to try to explain. There's very different levels of understanding it takes to make that happen. And that's that depth of understanding that we need. We, we can go out and we think we understand it. We, we only stand at this, high, this, at this level. And unless we go to the deeper parts, unless we go to the foundation, because it's in the storms of life and the difficulties of life and the difficulties of understanding, we have to go back to that foundation because the surface levels get blown away. In 2 Peter 2.12, But these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil to the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption. Read this one more time. But these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are cursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Baor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity, a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice, restraining the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. What in the world was he talking about there? You can almost hear the contempt in his voice. These natural bruised beasts made to be caught and destroyed speak evil of the things they do not understand. It's people out there making a great oratory, a great speech, 
You ever listen to someone that, that tells a great story and a great speech, and you listen to them, and you're drawn in and say, wow, that's great. That was a fantastic speech. But then if you go back and read the speech, you'll find out that they actually didn't say anything. There wasn't any depth. And if you read Scripture just on the surface, you're going to think one thing. But as you become a Christian and the Holy Spirit starts opening it up to you, you find out there's layers upon layers. And as you live through life and deal with more of the complexities of life, you find that Scripture is able to go to the more complex places. There are passages of Scripture that understand for the understanding of those that are new in Christ. But there are passages of Scripture that are for those that are no longer in the child stage of life. They're no longer children in their faith. They're going to the next level. And so it would make sense to me that there are Scriptures that those that have been Christians for 20 years are capable to understand if they've searched the Scripture. But it would also make sense to me that there are Scriptures that someone that is only a year old in Christ, when they read them, they might be saying, what does that say? That's too complicated. That's because you're not at that place yet. But don't discard it all. There will come a time then when you will need it. And you'll have that understanding. But don't toss it all out. And also don't toss it all out because you don't like it. Because what he is talking about here are people that, verse 14, have their eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are cursed children. There are people that are out there that their desire is to sin. They enjoy sin and they're doing everything to pick off people that aren't understanding. They're advertising like it's the best thing ever. It's always curious when you have people that you work with and you're going along or maybe you're in college with or school with and they talk about, yeah, I can't wait till the weekend, man. I'm going to get so plastered and I'm going to be drunk and man, I'm... and then they come in Monday, oh yeah, I had a great, you know, great weekend. I threw up all weekend. I mean, it was fantastic and I had the hangover and... Uh, what? Well, they said it was fun, so it must be fun. The puking was fun, or the can't remembering what you did was fun, or the fact you got up with a bloody nose that you didn't know was fun, or the fact that you are a mean drunk and you hit somebody and now in jail, or the fact that you had such a great time, you forgot what you're doing, and you drove drunk and you hit somebody. Well, there's the fun right there. But they sound it, make it sound like it's a great time and it's a fun time. And everybody says it was great and it was fun. I had this great high, man. I got some new drugs and it, yeah. Somebody had to car him along with Narcan and save your life. Today, 
it seems that we argue on the sound bites, those sound bites, those short phrases. And we're so shallow. Life's not that simple. And if you were responsible for making a cell phone work and all you knew about was how to touch on the screen and move things around, no one would have cell phones. You can't live on the surface and be successful. You need to go deeper. Let's continue our reading. We'll start with verse 17. These are wells without water, clouds carried by tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Wells without water. They're wells, but there's nothing in them of value. Verse 18, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness. Have you listened to any political speeches or anybody talk or somebody that gets behind a microphone? When they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in air. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome the latter, and is, over, is worse for them than the beginning." Let me say that again, read that again. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. False prophets out there. People with false messages. They try to tell you it's all great and it's all wonderful. And, and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. But they're shallow. God calls for repentance. Meaning we need to change from the bad that we have done and follow God. We need to change from following ourselves and Satan to following God. We need to seek Him out. But see, if we just kind of run in the surface, if we just kind of run in the shallows, if we don't try the spirits, if we try to discount the truth, Finding ways to say, this is, not where, this is not what I want to hear. So I'm going to discount the messenger. And I'm going to discount, I'm going to use the messenger to discount that I don't need to listen. And I'm going to discount the building. Or I'm just going to count the, discount the setting. It is true that I should be practicing what I preach. But it is also true that the Bible speaks to me as well. So my job is, that's why we use scripture so much, is to present the message of God and you to hear from the words of God. And if I preach the word of God, 
it keeps me out of trouble because I make a lot of mistakes. I have the wrong thought processes possibly at times. But if I can stay true to the Word of God, then that's what you should seek and that's what you should trust. And if, if the Holy Spirit awakens something in you that you need to search out, seek it in the Word of God and seek that truth. But don't get caught away with all these words. Don't get caught away like these Israelites. They were going to temple. They were listening to the scripture. The truth was being presented. But they didn't like what it said. They didn't like what he said. And because it made them look in a bad light, it convicted them of their self-righteousness. It convicted them of who they truly were. They wanted to do away with it and discard it. They had the opportunity for the truth, but they discarded it. Elijah was there with the Israelites discarded, but God still worked inside him. And it was the Syrian that came for healing to Elisha and was healed. And it's Jesus that's reaching out to you and sending a message out to you, but sometimes we want to water down the word because we don't like what it says. We want to say that it doesn't match up with our culture or it doesn't fit in with different kinds of things. And so we try to find reasons not to read it. Or maybe to water down the translations so far that we even paraphrase them. They're not even true translations anymore. Because it's hard. Some places are hard to understand. Of course. Life is hard. We need some more complexities. We need some more depths of understanding. Don't be drawn away by the per- people with the pretty speeches and no depth. Some of the wisdoms of life can be found more from the person that some might term uneducated, but they've been educated by life and have common sense. They might not have the purest grammar in their speech but they know a lot about a lot of things and maybe you've been in school with people that do very well on tests but the question becomes could they find their way out of a paper bag you know what I'm saying they lack common sense They don't know how to apply it. Don't be that kind of Christian. The depth is here for you. Don't get caught up in the religiosity. Scripture will tell us to try the spirits to see if they be of God. Don't, young Christian, get drawn away and you're like, say, well, I've been a Christian for 10 years. That's counting 10 years, but are you mature? Are you striving to be mature, or are you just working on the surface? In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When it says that you may prove, that's that test and approve, to recognize it. Is that the word of God? Is that the truth? I'm not going to preach a whole sermon on those two verses like I have before. But I will say to you, it's in that place that we have surrendered to God, that we can truly hear God and the depth of His Word. Because otherwise it can kind of be foolishness, because we're not even on the same wavelength. If we're not looking at the world through the eyes of God. Jesus came at the time that we celebrate Christmas. It's not ex the exact time, but we celebrate Jesus is coming a Christian. He came to die on the cross and shed his blood for us, for our sins. When we begin the celebration of Christmas and the activities around Christmas, and even through Advent and other kinds of activities, let's not lose track of what it's all about and say, well, I'm keeping the Christ in Christmas, and I'm doing this, and I lit a candle every night, but where is your heart? Well, we sing these hymns, but where is your heart? What message does God want to speak to you about during the Christmas season? What does He want you to hear, and are you listening for it, or do you think it's in the trappings? Listen. Listen to Him. Listen for the depth that strengthens your foundation in your walk with Him. Just don't listen to the hype. Just don't listen to the great oratory. Some people will tell a good message, sing a good message, but when you see their life lived, you question their message their depth of understanding. The one you should follow. He set an example. Listen to his message. Listen to his word. Let's be standing together. Father God, I ask that you would help us each as Christians to follow you, to trust in you. May we not backslide and go back to the wallowing in the mire but ever desire to better understand you, to, to seek you, to listen to you, to not misplace ceremonies for depth of understanding, to not just listen to great oratory and think that's the word of God. Many churches, Lord, might have great speeches, but is the scripture presented? Help us, the Lord, to seek your will, to seek your way. Your word does not return to you void. And help us, the Lord, to try the spirits. Help us to listen to you. Help us to listen for you. Help us not to discard the messages that we don't like that are the messages that we need. 
and help us to Lord to present you present your love at this Christmas time in the hustle in the bustle in the bad traffic in the long lines in the shortage of workers in the restaurants may we have the love of Jesus may we present the love of Jesus be with us Father we pray may we be pleasing to your sight in Jesus name Amen.